Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Micon Podcast, the show that brings you the hottest political issues and current affairs. The Micon Podcast is an effort geared towards building and sustaining political participation amongst Nigerian youths. In less than 48 hours, President-elect Bola Ahmed Tunubu will drop his current title to take on perhaps the most important title in Nigeria's political hierarchy, the President of the Federal Republic of Nigeria. He will vow to protect and defend the Constitution of the Federal Republic of Nigeria, an enormous task never for the faint-hearted. Well, the President-elect said he's fully aware of the task ahead of him and will not disappoint Nigerians. Can Nigerians bank on the words of the former senator and two-time Lagos governor? To put this in context, Bolatimubu polled 37% in the March 2023 election. His main rival, Atiku Abubakar of the PDP, polled 29% and Labour Party's Peter Obi polled 25%. Analysts have, however, maintained that the president-elect has a lot of work to do to convince many Nigerians. Today, we keep the conversation going and we're looking ahead to the inauguration date, the 29th of May, 2023. is a Monday, the beginning of a working week in uh, Nigeria, but it will be beginning uh, of a new dispensation, a beginning of an era, an end of another, and Nigeria will see uh, coming in of an administration that has promised a renewed hope. Can Nigerians really trust their hope and put their hope and trust in Bola Tinubu and his team to deliver on the promises that they have given to Nigerians? Don't forget, there are a lot of Nigerians are also keeping their tabs on what is going on at the presidential election petition tribunal. In the midst of all of that, governance is key. The livelihood and the lives of millions of Nigerians are also at stake. So let's get the conversation started. And we're asking, with the promises that Bola Tinubu has made, especially the one he made when he got the baton from President Buhari at the investiture earlier in the week, he said, I promise not to disappoint you and Nigerians. Can he keep it? Keep to the promise. Let's get the conversation started. I have joining me a lawyer and a member of the People's Democratic Party, Mr. Ilemona Onoja, who joins us virtually. Thank you so much, uh, Mr. Onoja, for joining us. Um, just in another few minutes, we'll be joined by Mr. Adamu Garaba, who is uh, a tech entrepreneur and a member of the APC. Let's begin the conversation with Mr. Uh, Ilemona Onoja. Thank you so much, Ilemona, for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Shane. How are you? It's been a while. Yeah, great. It's good to see you, my brother. Um, well, I mean, it's been uh, a very, very interesting time in the, in the life of Nigerians and in the history of our great country. But one thing that a lot of people would say that we had uh, a very uh, highly contested election and now uh, elections are over. Although those elections, uh, the contest is not over in the sense that politicians and political parties have now taken the contest to the courtroom and challenging the outcome of that election. But a lot of people will say, politics is over. Let us now face governance and the interests of our nation 
uh, should be foremost. Let me begin by asking you, what do you make of a Balatinobu presidency? The kind of personality that he is. I know you're a member of the PDP, but one thing that is fundamental is that we are all Nigerians and we need to start thinking and talking like Nigerians and be looking at the interests of our, of our country. I mean, wherever biases that we may have, one thing is important, Nigeria. From your own point of view, what do you make of the Bolatinobo presidency? Do you think they're ready? Um, Shell, um, it's a, it's a, it's a, I like the way, the background that you're set up against the question. We should speak about Nigeria and um, we should forget our biases and all of that. I like the way you've set up that question. And so it gives me the opportunity to state from the get-go that my comments, and I believe that the positions taken by many of the members of my political party are not taken solely because of partisan politics. They're taken because of the best interest. That's the reason why we're taking many of the positions that we're taking. So I would like to set that back from straight away from the beginning. Then we say, yeah, politics is the politicking is over. We're still involved in the legalese as to the um, legality and the validity of the elections. And that will still go on for a while, possibly till up sometime in November. But we say straight away, if we go into the substance of it all, there's the hope that many people have that, you know, against all odds, maybe something good will come out of this the incoming government. You, that hope is set against, again, a backdrop of the reality that we have seen and observed from the APC over the course of the last eight years, and then from Bolatinobu's past, his political past, over the course of, of forever, I mean, dating all the way to 1992 and thereabouts, that puts a serious question mark on whether or not we're going to get this renewed hope that we're promised, that we have been promised. The only reason why anybody will promise you renewed hope is because the government that he supported, that um, precedes him, that he promises to continue, dashed that hope, ruined that hope, broke that hope, and is handing over to him a government that has been plagued over the course of the last eight years by sorrow, tears, and blood. What we will be, if we were being promised a radical departure from our immediate past, uh, people will be a little bit more comfortable than they are right now. However, we're not being promised that. We're being promised the continuation of that with putting in place the mechanisms for a continuation of that, such that it doesn't give much hope that we will be stepping away from the, you know, mishaps of the mishap that is the governance of the of the recent past. And so, no, I, I don't, my hopes are not up, to be honest. To be honest, my hopes are not up. So, so I like us to break it, these things down, down uh, properly. Do you believe in the capacity of Abala Tinubu as a personality to lead this country? No, I don't. Very clearly, no, I don't. We've seen over the course of his political godfathership of League of State, which he uses as the backdrop for his claims, capacity to an ability to deliver. We've seen state capture like never before, where to be successful, 
beyond a certain point, you have to go and chase the ring of the Godfather of Bodylon. We've seen um, the enthronement of a system of political thuggery that creams off more than 200 million naira per day from the Nigeria, from the people in Lagos State. We've seen a system where the infrastructure fails willy-nilly. I mean, a state where he's been in control of, de facto control of, the de facto and de jure control of since 1999. Once it the place floods, people spend, what, maybe four to six hours on the average every day in traffic. There's no system of public water. There's, and, and once you begin to look at it, against that backdrop of these achievements, these achievements in quotes, really, what's the claim to fame here? What's the claim to capacity here? I'm not even going to go about going to the stories of his shady past and his involvement in quite a number of things in the past. A lot of them illegal. In the ambit of what has he supervised when he was in office and in the four political terms that have followed, you look at it and you ask yourself the question, how? What is it there that is? There's not really much there that you can bring to a center stage and you can say that using this as an example, this person is going to be able to deliver for us as the Nigerian people. We see still, we've seen state capture on levels never before seen anywhere else in this country. So if, 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 if uh, Ilamana, I mean, if, if Balatimubu performs, it's going to disappoint you, isn't it? He would have, no, he would have disappointed let, let, you. Let, let, let's establish something. No, you, you've okay. said that you don't believe in his capacity. So if, if, that if, means that if he does otherwise, you don't think that he I, can be a good I, president. I will be pleasantly disappointed. If Balatinubu, against all odds, somehow or the other, delivers and improves the lives, well-being, and welfare of the Nigerian people beyond measure, I'll be pleasantly, and I will be one of the people I put it here today on your podcast as evidence, I will come back to your podcast, God Giving Us Life, and I will say, this man has performed. I will do that. If he surprises me, and it will be... But, but based on what you know, at the moment, the Bolatinubu that you know doesn't have the capacity to lead this country at this moment. I, Is that what you're I saying? Not, I do not believe that you lead us properly. I do not believe it. And and my belief is not born solely out of my political partisanship. My belief is born out of indices that I can show to you. From Lagos State, where he's been the godfather for the last 24 years, my belief is born out of the as contained in their manifesto. My belief is born out of the things that are going on in Abuja, as we, I've lived in Abuja since 1998, effectively since the return of democracy to this country. Never before, never before has our nation at the inauguration of the prayer of a new government, never before has the nation's capital been dismilitarized. Never before. When we're having aides of the president want people to stay away from the inauguration, Never before, never happened. I will tell you another story. Okay, so today the uh, central bank 
is is um, immediately no sorry today the central bank held a special plenary session to increase the um ways and means limit from five percent of the budget to 15 percent the senate right the, the yeah, senate the senate so the senate we understand that the national assembly will follow through with that now why is this a sort of worry for two reasons and i'll explain them very quickly one we saw the buhari administration completely ignore the provisions of the law and borrow exceedingly over the limits that were set by law right now we saw the Tinubu manifesto promise to decouple re um, expenditure from revenue. So he's effectively told you in his manifesto that he's not going to earn, he's not going to spend what he earns. Well, literally, going to print money. He said it several times. Print money, print money. Printing money is the solution to your problem. Anybody who even knows elementary economics knows immediately that once that is your approach to solving your monetary, your your well, your revenue problems, that in a matter of time, your people are going to be crushed under the weight of inflation, that your your currency is going to lose significantly more value, and that your people are significantly significantly going to suffer more. So if these are the things that we already see before the administration comes into office, my God. Mm. Let me bring in Adamu Garaba. He is a member of the APC and is a tech entrepreneur. Thank you so much, uh, Mr. Garaba, for joining us. No, that's fine. Yeah. That, that's fine. Uh, so you heard some of what Elemon has said. He said he doesn't believe Balatinubu has a capacity to be Nigeria's president. Yeah. Let me allow you to react to those. Yeah. Like you said, so, um, to me, it's a clear reflection of what the APC is doing. One of the greatest successes of Obama that we've got to participate in um, is because the APC does not have the same thing. It's open to the APC. It's open to the APC. This is the moment that the GFC is found. Every other thing was in compliance properly. There is probably no any pressure we have since 1950 in this country that we have to get ready, as competent as a But it's unfortunate that you can see PDP uh, have started opposition without substance. And we really appreciate um, um, the courts. Uh, for doing justice to these um, unnecessary opposition. Some of them will just go to court and waste judges' time by registering a case and asking them to stop inauguration. And judge will now ask them, go and pay a million naira for disturbing us and wasting our time. You see, simply because there is no substance for opposition at this moment. What we need now is national cohesion, national unity, national stability coming together uniting ourselves, reigniting our own national consciousness so that we can support the incoming government to be able to deliver the promises he made to the people. And this should cut across opposition parties. It doesn't have to be uh, uh, you must be a member of APC to support a Nigerian elected president. You just have to be a Nigerian 
to want to see the success of Nigeria by supporting a Nigerian elected president. But, but is anything so this, wrong if he has a view that your candidate and now the president-elect does yes. not have the capacity to lead this nation? No, do, do, he that, has that, posited and, and what, argued this evening this is, this that is, from what he has seen in the yeah. past, that Balatinumbu does not have the capacity. That is his opinion. Why and I, what is why, why I say is unsubstantiated argument is because the Nigerians said otherwise. They went to the polls. But does your candidate was there. Does the president-elect have the capacity? If there is someone who says he doesn't have the capacity and he stands to be pleasantly disappointed if he shows capacity when he assumes office, what would you say tonight to let Nigerians know that Bola Tinubu, that you know, he said the Bola Tinubu that he knows doesn't have what it takes to lead this country? Do you think and what do you say uh, to the Bolatinobu that you know, whether or not he has a capacity to lead Nigeria at this time. You see, almost 90% of our campaign was run by giving Lagos as a template of what we need in Nigeria. And it is the same reason why Nigerians decided to say, we don't want PDP, we don't want Labour Party, we don't want any other party, we want Bolatinobu. So if he, you know, in his own thinking that the all more than 8.7 million Nigerians that voted for Asiojibola are wrong. Then the most responsible thing to do is to wait and see, you know, what is the outcome of his administration before you start criticizing. But the situation whereby you come with demoralizing, dampened, spirited kind of approach in the name of criticism, you're hurting the country. And this is not what we need now. We are celebrating, I was to, today um, at the inaugural lectures, Dr. Akimomi Adeshino made some critical discussions about the same economy he just uh, condemned, about the, how Nigerian's economy can be improved, what was the issue that we have regarding debt to revenue and debt to GDP, how can that be organized. He also obviously looked into Asiwaju's manifesto where we now say there is going to be decoupling of revenue and, uh, and expenditure, it's not a bad deal if you look critically into Asiwaju promise to decouple also Naira from the dollar. Now, the, the whole thing around um, having printing money, which is not itself a bad deal if your currency has substantiated value to back it up, uh, it's, 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 it's all about um, how you handle your own macroeconomics and how you have capacity to be able to back up your Naira. If our Naira is very good, is strong, is backed up with some of the commodities that we have in the country, it's not a bad deal to print it. What's happening in the United States of America? Currently, just a few days ago, there was imbroglio between the executives and the parliament in the U.S. about debt ceiling. It has to be increased for the budget to be passed, and this almost happened every year. And how did, how, how did that all come about? It's simply because of the printing of the dollar. Dollar has been printed too, similar to the old countries are doing. It's just depending on how you manage your economy, provided you get your structures right, your economic arrangement right. It's not a bad deal to print money to be able to ameliorate some areas where you know that that naira can turn into a productive outcome that can impact the economy, give more revenue, create more employment, and grow the economy. So it's not a bad deal, but they are, he's trying, they are trying to paint it as if it's a very negative thing. This is a normal standard economic practice globally, whatever at the micro level. That's why you have Central Bank. So we should, we should not start criticism at this stage. At this stage, what we need is to rally the whole Nigerians behind a new president. This is a country in Africa 
you know, that have one of the most successful democratic history. The inauguration of Bola Tinubu that is coming in the next two days will, it will indicate seven successful transfer of power in Nigeria from one civilian administration to the other. In the last 24 years, we grow more mature in democracy than many countries that have been practicing democracy for almost 200 years. We should celebrate this. This is the kind of spirit that all Nigerians should imbibe now. Not come in and start criticism. It is wrong. Once VDP started doing it, they would disappear. They would go into oblivion. Because obviously, Bolatinibu is going to prove them wrong. He came prepared. He came with a plan. You, he you, had the right team. You know, you know, the, the, right you know the good news is that for every right-thinking Nigeria who is still in doubt, and I guess one of the things that the candidates so you, I mean, believed in is the fact that there, there seems to be a loss of appetite of the people towards government and the delivery of promises of government to the people. And that's why I guess they tart their campaign renewed hope. They know that there seems to be some dashed hope. And an average Nigerian should be politely and pleasantly surprised and uh, disappointed should Tinubu really, really uh, wield the magic wand and change things around, it will be for the good of this nation. And it's good for us to have conversations that are civil and that are also look, that is progressive in nature. And that's why we, I wanted you to be able to tell us tonight. Is there something that we do not know about the Tunubu that you know that gives us that kind of confidence that he has what it takes to lead this country as this very critical period? I think many things, but I can just list few. Number one, this is the man that keeps his promises. In fact, within the core inner cycle of Tinibu, it is a judge that he stubbornly keeps his promises. Stubbornly. If he promised you something, even if the whole world is going to crash, he will try to do it. Based on his antecedent that's, as a Lagos governor. That's exactly what Which Elemana says, if you use the Lagos template, isn't it's not a very good template. No, but to him. According to, to Nigerians. Based on what Elemana has said, we say that's what we want. We want Lagos. We want the fifth largest economy that a, a state in Nigeria has to translate Nigeria to become one of the ten largest economy. It's not a bad deal to say we are the ten largest economy globally. If a, a state where he led and left created massive infrastructure, enable massive trade engagement, have the largest single train refinery on planet Earth. You know, if this man will conceive this kind of vision, build eco-Atlantic city, you know, tame the ocean, create massive revenue opportunities, bring about a lot of opportunities for businesses to thrive. People like me, I will read Ketul in Yola. You know, as a young boy, you know, went to primary, secondary school, public schools, and I jumped back into Lagos, started a tech company, and today I'm a millionaire. I've been a millionaire since when I was 26 years old. And that was Lagos that I met. I don't know nobody in Lagos. I've never been to any big politician or any big man. I just started my business. I'm voila. I'm getting it. Why? Because of the right environment that enabled people without even thinking of opportunity to create opportunity, not just even to tap into the opportunity, but to create opportunities. So you can't tell me that this man don't know what he's doing, for God's sake. And so many other examples. So if we can pick Lagos template and marginalize it, I think we're having a very, very, very lucky system that is coming in place. So anybody that will now stand up yeah. and begin to say that, mm -hmm. as you are Jubalai Metinibu, 
It doesn't have capacity or something. Maybe the person is hallucinating. Uh, let me, let me bring back uh, yeah, Elamana. Yes. Yeah, you wanted to say. Like, Mr. Darba, is that they pick, you know, highfalutin, up in the air examples, and then they fail, refuse, and or neglect to be able to ground them in substantial conversations. And so he's here and he's mouthing off and he's saying stuff like hallucinating and he's saying stuff about irresponsibility. Yeah, <laughs> makes you sound. But let me see. Let's use Lagos as an example. Everything that you see in Lagos up until a certain point was inherited. Every single thing, right? Was inherited from successive military governments. Where was recently or more recently developed in Lagos starts at Stanfield, so to speak, from Lecky Phase 1, all the way up to Ekbe. Everything else, Victoria Island, Ikoi, and all of that, was built and then handed over, over several generations, either from colonial rule, through the military, through independence as federal capital territory, or to, from that to the military, before it was handed over to Polatilo. Let's establish that. Now, where did Polatilo go? No, I think, I think, anyway. but, no, hold on, hold on. I kept quiet and I listened to you ramble. You will not interrupt me. You will not do that. Now, we went, where was that? Lecky. So let's look at the Lecky corridor that was this expansion, right? This Lagos that Tinubu built. It's, a glorified spot. There are no roads. There's no portable water. There's not a government hospital. There's very little educational presence. People are their own local governments. They build everything. It has thrived in spite of, not because. And I'm only stressing this point because, you know, people like Mr. Garabak insist on holding this Lagos up as one bastion of of, of what a modern city should be. If anything, Lagos is everything a modern city should not be. You've been building one trail, one rail line for the last 24 years. Four governors have, have in succession allocated funds for the construction and purchase of that of those trains that have disappeared. Then you come and you come at someone like me and you say, Eco-Atlantic City, you build something for the wealthy that has displayed bodies of water that exacerbates flooding across the state. And that is your idea of, of development, of a developmental project. You're speaking about the refinery, a private sector initiative that was supported with massive funding from the federal government. Make it make sense. At some point, you're going to be able to say, now, nah, when we look at it directly in terms of what impacts the lives of the common Nigerian in Lagos, I grew up in Lagos. And I can tell you, you're speaking about national unity and cohesion. Who divided the country? Who divided? Is it not your political party? Have, have we ever been this divided since the Civil War? Is it not your political party that put in place a president that you supported and who made 
statement, like 97 and 97% and 5%, is it not your party that came to Lagos and said things like Yoruba Ronu? Is it not your party that came and built a divisive political campaign and then you're blaming people for not jumping and saying, Kumbaya, come on, my friend. Come on. You really should. And the, the, this level of gaslighting that you people do to the Nigerian people, when you do nasty things, and then people react to those things, and then you blame their reaction rather than your misbehavior. Come on. When we say that there is not evidence there, we speak about, you're speaking to me about the United States and the United States um, raising their debt ceiling. Do you have the United States sort of revenue? You people come to us and speak to us about a, a, a debt to GDP and all of that, and you never speak to us about revenue to GDP. Do you have their sort of revenue? Do you have their sort of earnings? Is your economy as immune to shocks, global shocks, as theirs is? And then you come and you'll be telling us that, no, you'll print money if you manage your group. At the inception of an administration, what the administration should be telling us from the beginning, what this administration is failing, tell us from the beginning, is how are you going to improve earnings? How are you going to ensure that um, your economy is more productive? If I put it, I'm going to keep quiet now, I'm sorry, I'll give you five minutes. Tell us how the Bolatinibu administration that you just came here to mouth off about. Tell us their primary, their primary economic focus to make our economy, our economy better. You have five minutes. Go. Yeah, so <laughs> that means you are taking over from Shewu. Shewu, I All right. I, I, the, the, the conversation basically tonight mm. is for us to look at what is being promised. So it's like, look, how you are. Yeah. yeah. Now, so no, the, no, no, no. I, I'm giving it to the main no, no, no. Just a moment, because I'm, I'm, I'm moderating this, <laughs> yes. this conversation, yes. and I like, I allow you to also respond to what Elemon has said. But I wanted Nigerians and those who are listening and being part of this conversation to be able to get a hold of uh, what is going on in this country. Now we're entering into a dispensation and look forward to what this government wants to do and whether or not they can keep to those promises and maybe Nigerians can keep tab on the activities of this government. So I'd like you to respond quickly and I'd like us to go into issues. Mm. Those real issues that Bola Tinobu, if listening to now on any of his team are listening, mm. what they need to be doing for Nigerian people. Um, what I, I wanted you to respond to what Elema has said. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. I think Mr. Onoja, we are inviting him to come and be happy for once. Let him come to inauguration. No need for being too angry, you know, and too negative. And this, this is the spirit of happiness now. We are having a transfer of government and a successful democracy. So I think you should have time to calm down and celebrate. I'll have champion for you when you come for, for the inauguration. But again, um, the most important thing again is uh, when you go back to the manifesto, that promise of delivery of Ashua Jubala Amitinibu is still the template he's going to use. Mr. Onoja raised a question of revenue. And this was the man that went to Lagos, became a governor in 1999, when Lagos was a refuse dump. We used to go to Lagos in 1998. It was like a refuse dump, a very mega refuse dump. It's no longer the case. 
only one agency last month is able to clean this up and then also generate more revenue to the government. He left Lagos, he went to and took over Lagos, um, Lagos leadership when it was only 600 million naira in revenue. And by the time he was existing in 2007, it was 5 billion naira. So what revenue are you talking about? Or the level of preparedness of such kind of personality? And when you look at his macroeconomic policies, he made clearly, one of the clear statements is that I'm going to pass my budget to the National Assembly by not pegging it against the U.S. dollar. It means I'm going to prioritize my Naira. Again, I'm going to use the dollar that come in to channel it only where dollar is required. That means there are some mega infrastructure investment that needed to be done to consolidate on already invested uh, investment that had been done by Buhari administration into the infrastructure to enable it, to expand it, to extend it, to be able to connect the supply lines between the buyers and the sellers, which I believe even Mr. Onoja will agree with me that the serious problem we're having with inflation has nothing to do with printing of the Naira in the real economies. It actually has everything to do with the lack of connection between buyers and sellers. When there's no cross-trafficking, you know, between demand and supply, usually the cost of supply will be higher, and then sometimes even demand will be lower, will be higher. When there is high demand and, and low supply due to some bottlenecks within the infrastructure that's supposed to link up the two sides, you always have inflation rising. And the only way to kill inflation is to actually bridge this gap. What is needed to be done in investment is infrastructure. And that's what you clearly stated that where I am using my Naira, I will use my Naira. Where I'm not supposed to use Naira, I will use dollar. I'm going to pack these dollars and channel them directly to where dollar is required. When you look at this structure, you see clear man who is ready, who understood what he needs to do to enable this economic productivity. Thank you for joining us on this edition of Mike on Podcast. This podcast will return soon.